Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. Um, uh, you know what? Pastor Ruben's not here. I miss Pastor Ruben already. I miss him already. I was, uh, I was crying for him last night. My, my pillow's full of tears, but me and him were texting each other. But I miss him. But he's over there doing a revival in Fresno. And uh, he's going to be preaching tonight. You can tune in tonight at 6 o'clock uh, to hear him preach. And then tomorrow on the, the remnant uh, of Fresno's YouTube page. But we're going to be praying for Traveling Mercy. He made it there safely there uh, yesterday. And I know my dad was taking really good care of him. Uh, yesterday, he took him out to this really good barbecue restaurant. So they were taking care of Pastor Ruben. But I'm glad he's over there getting refreshed and getting blessed and getting encouraged as he encourages them. But we're going to be praying for Traveling Mercy as he makes his way back, right? And he'll be bringing the word of God this um, Thursday night. So invite someone out. And uh, invite someone out this Thursday night. We, we had a great outreach this Friday night. We went, out to, um, we went out to Uptown Whittier, and we just went out there with some blankets. We were giving blankets to the homeless. We were praying for homeless people. We were praying for anyone that came into contact with us. We even just started praying for the city of Whittier. We just got in a circle right there on Greenleaf, and we started praying. And uh, it was a really cool outreach we had no flyers, so it made it really, you had to go hard. You had, you had to say, Lord Jesus, give me some boldness because, you know, a lot of times we hide behind the flyers. Oh, here you go. I invite you to my church. Okay, I'm done. All right? And you know what? But I, I'm loving this. And, you know, I was thinking yesterday, and um, I was thinking, Lord, you have us outside. You, we've been outside. We've been outside. But, you know, I felt like the Lord laid on my heart is that God's impressing on, this on us because someday we're going to have a building. And it's going to be nice and toasty in there. It's going to be beautiful. But I believe God's impressing this on us because he never wants us to get comfortable indoors. And he always wants us to be an outdoor church. That means that we're always evangelizing. We're always telling people the gospel. That we never come to a place where we get comfortable and stagnant. But we're a church that our DNA is going to be evangelism. And telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. So praise the Lord. I'm so glad that you're here today. And uh, today I want to preach a message that I know the Lord laid it on my heart. And as I was looking at the message, I said, Lord, why do you want me to preach that message? I go, they're going to try to kill me before I leave. I'm going to get beat up. Someone's going to try to attack me. But you know what? I got to preach it. And I want to preach a message entitled, Christ gives us victory over sin. Christ gives us victory over sin. And out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 1 through 4, we know that December is a time where we're, many of us, we're, we're getting our lights up. We're doing our Christmas uh tree shopping. Let me stop right there really quick. I got another, I got a good announcement. You guys ready for a good announcement? Good announcement. Um, the first Sunday of 2021, if the Lord tarries, we're going to have Sunday school for our kids on Sundays. And it's an amazing family. They got a heart and man, so knowledgeable and you just see the fruit over their life and we can't wait to announce them. But God is, God is moving. I'm so thankful. I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful. But the first Sunday of 2021, we're going to start Sunday school ministry for 
the kids from 6 to 10 years old. So keep that in prayer, all right? Um, so December is a time where, you know, we're, we're Christmas shopping and we're getting a tree. But we can, you know, forget what the true meaning and who came during this season, during this time that transformed our life, that gave us victory over sin. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Danny, I'm not a sinner. And let me tell you this, if you said that, you're a liar. Because we're all sinners. And we all need a Savior, Jesus Christ, every single one of us here today. And the Bible says this, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that pierced us. That's a different sermon to preach, but we got to let go of those wounds. Let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin. Everyone say sin. Uh, which so easily we fall into. One version says which we get entangled by. It says then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion. Everyone say passion. And determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and has conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider. Everyone say, so consider. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to consider. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. How many of you feel like caving in right now? Cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet receive the point of sweating blood and your opposition to sin. Let me go ahead and pray, Lord. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this afternoon. We, we pray right now that today, Lord, as we grow in knowledge of you, that you would give us victory over sin, that you would help each and every one of us, that you would strengthen lives, you strengthen hearts, that your name would be magnified. I count it an honor to even be up here. I count it a great privilege, Lord. Lord, let the words that go forth from my mouth honor you. Let them be anointed, God. I pray that this message would be used, Lord, for your honor and your glory. And that you would get all the honor. That you would get all the praise. And that you would get all the worship. And all of God's people said, amen. So, you know, why did Jesus come? You know, Jesus had a cousin. We know that Pastor Reuben preached about his cousin a couple of weeks ago, John. And we know that John came to prepare the way. And what was his message? Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. That was his message. And that was his sole purpose is just to preach. Repent. Repent. He didn't say how to have a successful life. He didn't preach how to become, you know, wealthy and healthy and all these things. His message before the, to prepare the way for our Savior was repent. Everyone say repent. And so we know that he came to, he came to do that. But before he was born, we know that the angel Gabriel, he came to Zacharias and he gave Zacharias, and this was John's dad. 
This was John's dad, and uh, John's mother was named Elizabeth. And at that time, they were older in age. They were righteous people. And the Bible says that they couldn't have kids. They couldn't have kids. And one day, the Bible says Zacharias was a, a, a priest, and he went into the temple to offer incense. And that represents our prayers. When we pray, it's like incense before the Lord. So he was praying in the temple, and then Gabriel hit him on the side. I don't know what happened. He probably, you know, pushed him, said, Zacharias, he says, you're going to be having a son. And then, you know, Zacharias said, he didn't say, Lord, I received that. He go, you know what he said? He goes, how can this be? I'm old. How many of us know we can never become too old to be used by the Lord? I'm going to say that one more time. We can never become too old for Jesus. Some of you are just starting off. You're 70 years old and Jesus is about to use you. I'm not playing. I'm, we look at the Bible and that's what, and then he goes, how can this be? And you know what Gabriel told him? Gabriel told him, he said, uh, Zacharias, you're, gonna be, you're not going to be able to speak for the rest of this pregnancy because I stand in the presence of the Lord and you, you doubting what God had decreed, you're not going to be able to speak anything. And you know, some theologians, they say that God silenced Zacharias for this pregnancy because it would have killed the seed of what God gave. Our words are powerful. Let me ask you a question. What words are you speaking over the seed that God has given you? So the Bible says that Zacharias... He began to prophesy over his son. And this was after his son was born. After his son was born, the Bible says that Elizabeth said his name's going to be, what's his name going to be? John. His name's going to be John. And so all the family relatives said, hey, there's, no, there's nobody named John. We can't name him John. And they said, what does Zacharias, you know, think? They said, Zacharias can't even talk. Why ask him? I don't know if they said that, but. They said, Zachariah, okay, we'll go to Zacharias. They went to Zacharias, and Zacharias said, give me a tablet, a tablet to write on. He got the tablet. He began to write on that tablet, and it said his name is John. As soon as he came in agreement with God's word, his lips, his tongue was loosened, and he was able to prophesy. And then he says these words over his son. He says, and you, I prophesy, my little son. We got to speak prophecy over our kids. I don't care how bad it looks, you need to speak prophecy over the next generation. You know, Lord, you're going to use them. You're going to, you're, and I don't, I, some of you are discouraged right now because of your kids or your grandchildren because of the reports you've been getting. But right now, God's word to you is this, is that you need to prophesy blessing, prophesy his word over them. Not how bad the reality looks because God's word supersedes reality. Amen. Words of faith. Amen. And it says, and to you I prophesy, my little son, that you will be known as the prophet of the glorious God. For you will be a forerunner going before the face of the master, Yahweh, to prepare the hearts to embrace his ways. You will preach to his people the revelation of salvation life. 
the cancellation of all our sins. Everyone say cancellation of all our sins to bring us back to God. What does sin do? It separates us from God. What is sin? The book of Psalms chapter 32 verse 5, the psalmist says three things that we can take to heart today. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And if I could please have a water, please. Danny, could you give me a water? Oh, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sin. Sin. The word is used over 700 times in the Bible. What it means is to miss the mark. To fail to do something that you know is right before God. Sin uh, is something that can come into our life and separate us from the presence of the Lord. It's anything that falls short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Now, transgression is something a little different. It is sin, but it's presumptuous sin. It's to transgress, to choose a choice, like to choose to go through that stop sign is transgression. To choose to say some cuss words would be a transgression against God. To choose to do something that you know is wrong and to pass it, it's like Going, being at a, uh, maybe in the mountains, and you see, um, you see a fence that says, do not trespass. And how many of us know that the Holy Spirit, when we're saved, and we go to a place we shouldn't be, what does the Holy Spirit tell us? Do not trespass. Iniquity is more deeply rooted. Iniquity refers to a premeditated choice to commit iniquity, to continue without repentance. David's sin with Bathsheba was, uh, and the killing of her husband Uriah was iniquity before God. The Bible says in Micah chapter 2 verse 1, Woe to those who plan iniquity. To those who plot evil on their beds. At the morning light they carry out because it is in their power to do it. In David's psalm of repentance in Psalms 51, he says these words. He says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You know, some of us were excited for the Christmas presents we're going to get this year. But you know, a present we could always look to is that God, he's forgiven us of all our sins. It's something that can give a Christian so much joy if we just consider that even though we, we still sin at times, we could come to him and say, Lord, forgive me for getting angry. I shouldn't have said those words to my wife. We have one honest couple here today. And that's why they're blessed. We're going to have some awesome things in February for marriages and for singles. We got to have something for the singles too. 
<laughs> I'm so excited what God's doing in our church. I'm so excited. <laughs> what does Christ say about sin? He says, we got to take it seriously. It's not something you go, oh, you know, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm just, we, we can't have little pet sins, like, you know, like a little chihuahua sin. Oh, it's just a cute little pet, my anger problem. Then that anger turns into gossip. And that gossip turns into iniquity because you say, oh, nothing's wrong. I'm just going to continue to gossip and gossip and gossip. And all of a sudden, that little chihuahua turns into what? Turns into a bigger dog. No longer is it just a little, you know, a little pet sin. See, whatever we feed is going to dominate our life. Whatever we feed will dominate our life. We're not going to become more like Jesus scrolling through Instagram. We're not going to become more like Jesus by being people who are not, by being with people who are not Christ-like. Being at those gatherings with unsafe family, no longer professing Jesus, but laughing at their jokes, you know, getting close to the things of the world, starting to bust some dance moves as those worldly songs come on. It's leading us astray. And if people think that I can never fall back into whatever you feed, you fall into. Jesus said, take sin seriously. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, then go blind in your right eye. For you're better off losing sight in one eye than having your whole body thrown into hell. Oh. And if your right hand entices you to sin, let it go limp and useless, for you're better off losing a part of your body than have your whole body be thrown into hell. See, God still calls us to live a life of holiness. Holiness is, is still a requirement from God. Holiness is still a requirement from God. I told you guys you were going to be mad at me during this sermon, but it's okay. You know, I want to tell you that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, God is still holy. And why is holiness and purity still important to God? Because the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. It it never changes. You know, holiness is still important to God. It still matters to God. You know, what hinders us from getting close to God is living unholy lives, unwholesome lives. It separates. It breaks the heart of God. But when you and I walk in holiness, when we walk in righteousness, God is able to bring us to that place of, of joy, of strength, of peace, of, 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 you know, in our lives, we're just full of the joy of God. We just want to raise our hands and praise Him and tell 
everybody about him were unashamed when we're living a holy, righteous life. There's no secrets in our heart, in our life. There's, there's nothing that the enemy could come and just, you know, take a hold of our lives with. Why? Because holiness brings us to blessing. What is a true blessing? Holy living. Peter chapter 1 verse 15 he says, instead shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For scripture says, you are my holy people. You are to be holy because I am holy. You are to be holy because I am holy. Now does holy mean I walk around with a big old Bible? No. Does holy mean that I wear a, a nice old suit? No. You know, exterior does not, you know, determine holiness. You know, we can put on a show. That's not holy. Holiness is about the heart. It's about the heart. It's about having a heart that's contrite before the Lord. There's some people, you know, some people dress like they're holy and they're not. Skirts all the way down to their toes, and we know they're living a holy life. Long hair, no makeup, don't shave nothing. They're still living a scandalous life. No holiness. Holiness is not about that. Holiness is about the heart, about the thoughts. I'm a, you're about to get really excited. I'm excited about this next point. The power Christ gives to us. If we were in Peru doing a mission trip today and we went to a little hut and we try to plug in our phone to charge it, guess what? No power there. Our phone is going to die. And there's many Christians that they're living like they're in this little hut because they're falling into sin over and over and over again. They're like, man, I, I, I got the willpower to, you know, the willpower. Guess what? We don't live holy lives by willpower. The power Christ gives us is the power to be transformed. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, for you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. How many of us remember that? Our family, bound by sin, this sin, bound by this sin, bound by alcoholism, bound by this sin, bound by that sin. And then when we came to Jesus, what happened? The blood of Jesus broke all that. We are free. We are delivered. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Our kids are not even seeing any of that. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. Oh, how many are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Oh, man, that can never become old. That can never, that is the gospel that Jesus shed his blood that we can have forgiveness and freedom from sin. 
now we see the power of transformation. Say, the power of transformation is working in me. Now we're going to look at the power of grace. What does it do to us as, as, as Christians, as believers? I love this. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, how many are ready for the word of God? The Bible says God's marvelous grace was manifested in person. Who is the person? Jesus Christ. Bringing salvation for everyone. The same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness. One version says that the grace of God helps us to say no to sin. See, some people get in a mix. They go, okay, grace is a license to sin. No, grace gives you the power to overcome sin. Because anyone who falls into sin is a slave to sin. Now, grace, what it does is it empowers our life that we can be victorious over sin. You say, Pastor Danny, how do you even know that? We just read it, church. It says, the same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Now, we're going to talk about the power of the sacrifice of the cross. So there's power in grace, the power to transform, and the power of the cross. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, I'm sorry, Titus, chapter 2, verse 14 said, He sacrificed himself so that we might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify himself of people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. You might be saying, well, Pastor Danny, I want to, I just, I hear you, but I'm in the struggle with sin, and sin's been defeating me. Then some of you are, Pastor Danny, I've been in victory. I know exactly what you're talking about. I see God's grace moving. And then the people that are defeated and going through a rough time, they can look at those who are walking in victory, and they can go, man, I wish I could be in their shoes, but I can't. I can never be there. I can never be, you know, one of those people that, you know, just walks and, and, and lives that, that pure life that doesn't, you know, say, say those things or, or go back to the, that old lifestyle. There's this battle going on in my mind. Let me say this to you. The devil's a liar. And there's a battle going on in all our minds. <laughs> can we be truthful today? <laughs> there's... There is a battle in our mind going in all of our minds. But God wants to give us victory in the battle. And there can be victory in the battle. So what is Christ's direction to overcoming sin? Are you ready for three simple steps? But, man, these are, these are good. These are good. And there's many more steps. But, you know, the step to, to this victory, it's one word, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ. This is the first thing, if you want victory over sin, and I'm preaching to, to myself today because we're all sinners. I don't want to be a gossiper. That's sin. Amen? I don't want to have an anger problem. That's sin. I want to walk in victory. First thing is this, name the thing. Honesty is the first step to victory. Name the thing before God. Say, God, I'm struggling with gossip. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with this, God. And you're real before God. Say, God, I am struggling with this. I want to be honest with you, God. And the reality is this, is that God already knows our hearts. He already knows what we're struggling with. He already knows what we're struggling with. So today I want to tell you that even David, when he sinned, he said, God, I acknowledge my sin before you. In the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verse 5. So what does that give to us? That gives us an example that we can stop the lying. We can stop the hiding. We can stop the, you know, excuses. We can stop the explaining. And we can be real before God saying, God, I am a sinner. This is sin before you, Lord. Lord, forgive me of the sin of whatever it may be. You say, God, I lay it before you. And maybe you're here today and you're in a place of temptation in your life. And that sin continues to come uh, against you and against you. And maybe you're in that place and you go, man, just I'm being tempted by this. That doesn't mean you're in sin. That means you're being tempted. There's a difference. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're sinning. That means you're fighting. That means you're warring. And we're all, guess what? We're all going to get tempted. We're all going to get tempted. This week, after, some of you are getting tempted right now. You're thinking about that ice cream truck. Man, I'm tempted to leave the service. I'm tempted to leave right now and go get myself an ice cream. We can be honest. Come on. Let's cut the clutter. Let's break down the facades. And let's get real with Jesus. And when we get real with God, God gets real with us. I'm tired of playing church. I don't want to play church. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a believer. I want to hang around with men who sharpen me. Men who make me want to witness. I was outreaching this weekend with two men. And as I was with them, walking, and there were some sisters there, as I was walking with them, I could feel myself being sharpened. There's no way to explain except for Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. And if you want to be a dull Christian, don't come to church. If you want to be a dull Christian, don't pray, don't read your Bible. Don't, don't hang around with uh, believers. You'll be slipping. But as believers, we're called to what? Sharpen each other. I told you guys you're not going to like this sermon. Some of you just finished, Pastor. We're almost finished. We're almost finished. I'm making up for all those times I did those 15-minute sermons. <laughs> Oh, I'm starting to feel good, church. Why? You know, I'm starting to feel good. Let me tell you why. 
You say, Pastor Danny, what did you do? Did you take your vitamins today? No. Praise. When we praise him in our storm, he gives us victory inside of our life. When we worship God and say, God, I'm going to praise you in my storm, Lord, in my wilderness, Lord, in my heartache, I'm going to worship you, God. It takes us above the clouds, church. See, right now we're in a storm. Some of you are in a storm financially, spiritually. But you know what? Every time you go on a plane, you know, there may be a storm. But above the storm, there's, the sun's always there. And the way we get to the sun is through praise. Some of you are in the storm, you're just staying there. The more you gossip, the longer you're going to stay there. The more you just, you know, bicker, you're going to stay there even longer. The more you get angry, you're going to stay in the storm. But I want to tell you, there's a place to get to the Son. The Son of God is through praise. The Bible says that we enter into his gates through thanksgiving. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to be more thankful. <laughs> If you get anything from today's sermon, be thankful. God's with you. God's with you. Decide. As the worship team gets, makes their way up here, decide and act against the thing. What thing? The sinful thing. Decide that you're not going to agree with it. See, because what we can do is rationalize our sin, saying, oh, my dad was like this. My uncle was like this. These thoughts have been with me. I've just... This is just who I am. But you know our thoughts, they make roads in our mind. I'm going to say that one more time. Some of you didn't get that. Our thought life makes roads in our mind. That's why some people are always angry. Because they're thoughts. That's why some people are so lustful. Because the thoughts the thoughts. But when you repent, you're making new roads in your life, in your mind. It's true. And that's why the Bible says to be renewed in the spirit of your... Okay, right now, I really need you guys to wake up as much as you can right now because this is important, okay? Scientists know that our thoughts, they create pathways in our mind. Did you know that? It even affects our cells, our DNA. Our thoughts affect our cells in our DNA. It's, it's a fact. And when you repent and you say, God, this lying is sin, what you're saying is, I don't agree with this no more. All of a sudden, that pathway of lying is broken. Because how many of us used to be liars before we gave our life to Jesus? You knew how to give a hot one real quick. You were good. It's like you could look at someone right in the eyes and, yeah, blah, 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 yeah, yeah. And they're just like, man, you're lying. At, you know, you're a liar. You're like, no, I'm not. And you, you're such a good liar. You believe your own lies. It's true. I knew some people, they couldn't believe their own lies. But when you say, God, I don't agree with that lying lifestyle no more. I don't agree with, Lord, that I'm an alcoholic anymore. 
I don't agree that I'm a drug addict anymore. I don't agree, Lord, that I'm this anymore. I'm that anymore. I'm that label anymore, God. But I'm going to agree with your word that this is wrong. And, Lord, I want to do right because the reality today, church, we all have free will here today. No one forced us to be here. Maybe your mom. <laughs> but, but you could have really gave her a hard time. You could say, no, mom, no. But I'm here and I have, I'm holding this mic in my hand because I chose to come here. My mom didn't force me. My wife didn't force My kids didn't force I came here because I made a willful choice that I want to serve God. I want to go forward for Jesus. I want to walk in righteousness. We have the free will to change our thoughts. Wow. To think his thoughts. Now, are you ready for the power? This is where God, I just want to say, God, you're so good. Your word is so good. Your word is so good, God. Your word is so good. You know, every answer that we need in life, it's in here. Victory over sin is here. Joy in your marriage is here. Purity in your thought life is here. It's all here. Every answer you need is here, okay? So why is it so dusty? Today, to receive the power over the thing, a lot of us are trying to overcome sin by get her done, willpower. I'm going to get victory like that? No, no way. The way that you and I overcome is quite simple. The power that you need, wait for it, wait for it. You guys ready? You guys ready? Look at your neighbor, say, you ready? The love of Christ. Some of you clap your hands like, is that it? Let's go to scripture again. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, the love of Christ compels us. He died for us that those who live should live no longer for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. So we know that he died. We know that he rose again. But his love for us, what does it do? It compels us to what? To walk in what? Holiness. To walk in what? Righteousness. I remember years ago, I was a, a pastor in Porterville. I got a call from an elderly saint. I don't even know how she got my phone number. And she was there. She's telling me, she said, Pastor Danny, I want to tell you something. She said, I, I was thinking, how did this lady even get my phone number? She goes, I need to tell you something, Pastor Danny. And she goes, Pastor Danny, when you're tempted, she goes, I want you to do something, okay? Okay, what do you? But she knew something real. Even pastors get tempted. All of us. The Pope. Everyone. Billy Graham. A lot of times we put people on pedestals. Oh, I wish I could be like them. They must never, they must never get tempted. No. We all face temptation. 
And she goes, Pastor Danny, next time you're tempted to sin, I want you to think about the cross. And I want you to think about Jesus on the cross for you. I want you to see him being whipped for you. I want you to see him right there hanging there for you next time you're going through temptation. And there's been times in my life where I'm going through certain situations, whether it's the, the temptation to quit or to throw in the towel or whatever it may be. I begin to think about the cross. I begin not to think about myself. I think about him. I think about his blood. I think about his tears. I think about his sweats. I think about his love for me. I think about all that he did for me. And when I get to that place, I want to tell you that temptation begins to disintegrate, begins to fall to the floor. It just dies at the feet of Jesus. The power of the cross. See, the problem is, church, our minds are not on him. Our minds are on this, our minds are on that. We have no problem watching a movie for two and a half hours that doesn't say nothing about God. It just, you know, uses his name in vain. But the way that we have victory is through what? Through meditation upon him. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, Old Testament example. What does the Bible say? Study the word. You will be prosperous and successful wherever you go. You go to the New Testament. Paul talking to Timothy. What does Paul tell Timothy? He says, give yourself fully to these things. Meditate on them day and night so you can save yourself and your hearers. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the prayer for the church in, in Ephesus. He, he says this prayer for the people. And I, I want to say... Me and Pastor Ruben, we're praying for all of you. And we thank God that you're praying for us. But Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Everyone say strengthened. With might through the spirit in the inner man, in the inner woman, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Everyone say comprehend. That means to think over and over, to replay in your mind, to replay over and over his word, over and over his word. Comprehend with all the saints that is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. This power works in us. To him be the glory to the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love the way Paul ended it. It's not just for the first century church. It's for church for every single generation. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's all stand in this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed in reverence to the Lord. Maybe you're out there and you say, I would like to accept the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to accept Christ in my life. That's you today. You're hearing this message. You said, I want my sins forgiven. Right where you're at. 
we just ask that you raise your hand up. You want all your sins forgiven, thrown into the furthest ocean, never to be remembered again. Maybe you're watching online and you're hearing right now this message, even right there in your home, in your car, at your job, you can accept Jesus in your life and your life will never be the same. Right where you're at, raise your hand up. Type in the comments, I would like to accept Christ. Type it in, I would like to accept Christ in my life. Believing that we're all saved, believers, Christians. Battle of sin is a true battle. And if this message is with you in any way, you just want special prayer. The altar is open today. We want to pray. We want to come in agreement with you. We want to believe. Thank you, Jesus.